God's preparation. And um, Genesis chapter 37. And I'm going to read a lot of verses and let the Bible do as much of the teaching for me as I possibly can. But as I was thinking about, you know, preparation and... in different areas of life, I, a thought came to my mind of going to a restaurant and, uh, you know, eggs, I, fried eggs, I can eat them well done, over easy. That don't really bother me too much. But I went and ordered an omelet one time at a place, and evidently the guy didn't know how to cook an omelet. And he got it sealed real good, but he only had a thin membrane around the edges that was cooked. And when I went to put a fork in it, it just went all over my plate. And that guy needed to have been prepared a little more before they cut him loose, as far as I was concerned. And another time we had a family get-together, I believe it was at Christmas time, and one of my sister-in-laws decided for the first time to make this cheese and broccoli casserole, rice casserole. Only thing she didn't realize that she needed to add some fluids uh, to it and you know it looked real good in the dish and everybody got a bunch on their plate you know before everyone you know really kind of tore into it and then we had this kind of chewy uh <laughs> crisp on the crisp side rice casserole and you know the thing is you can uh cook a thousand meals well but which is the one they remember you know and every time we get together now for thanksgiving or christmas or whatever we always ask linda did you bring a rice ca-? you know <laughs> yeah and uh but um, but like I said, being trained in this or understanding what you're doing and preparation, uh, it goes a long ways. And uh, but we're going to look at it in this area of life in Joseph and the preparation that the Lord put him through, and see hopefully some applications for ourselves. Um, and starting in uh, Genesis chapter 37 and in verse 23. Going up to this point in time, Jacob has his 12 sons, and uh, the old, most of the sons are very, very envious of Joseph. And um, they decide to kill him and uh, kill their own brother. And they've been out away from the family farm working uh, their sheep, and Jacob had sent uh, Joseph to check up on them. And we pick up the story in verse 23. And it came to pass when Joseph was come to, unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him, and they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread. Now, isn't that callous? I mean, you, you plan on killing your brother, and after you capture now you can just sit down and have a meal. And, um, and they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead, uh, with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, uh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit uh, is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let, us not, let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brethren were, uh, were content. And then were... Um, then uh, there passed by Midianites, merchant men, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit and sold Joseph unto the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph unto Egypt. So here's a young man just being obedient to his father, doing what his father told him to do to go check up on his brothers, 
and his brothers are so envious and jealous of the relationship that he has with his father that their envy drove them to the point of wanting to kill their brother. And then they decided, well, hey, there's no profit in killing them. Uh, let's sell them. Here's an opportunity to sell them, and he's going to be took down to Egypt, and uh, it'll do the same thing. And then, of course, we know uh, in the story that they then took his coat of many colors and they killed a lamb and drenched it in the blood, and then they took that coat back to their old father and said, is this your son's coat? And he recognized the coat, and they allowed him to draw the conclusion that some animal had killed uh, his son and let him believe that. I mean, these are some very callous people. Uh, and we find Joseph now. We'll pick up the story in chapter 39. But, you know, Joseph is a young man, a teenager, an older teenager at this time. And you just think about how his world is turned upside down. And we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 39 and verses 1 through 6. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, the officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down hither. And the Lord was with Joseph... And he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him. I think that's the key word. Now, you know, the thing is, things come our way in life that we didn't ask for a lot of times. But it comes down to how are you going to handle it? Do you really do believe that your God is on his throne? And we know that he is, and we know that because of that, if we're not into sin, if we're not being punished for our deeds, that God has allowed this at least to happen. It was either his direct will or it was his permissive will. So here we find ourselves in a situation, and I'm sure Joseph prayed every day that he'd get a chance to go home. But at the same time, he, did, he didn't fall into depression. He didn't fall into a pity party. This is where the Lord had planted him, and we find that he served this Egyptian. Uh, and because of it, you know, when you first bring somebody in, a young, t- an older teenage boy, and you just bought him, I doubt seriously he got a very responsible job to begin with. No telling what it might have been. It may have been cleaning out the stalls at the barn or whatever, but he was industrious and he was prosperous and he stayed busy. And little by little, the uh, captain of the guard, Potiphar, recognized his industry and being a wise man he put it to good use and we find here in the story that in verse 4 and served him and he made him overseer over his house and all that he had put and all that he had put into into his hand and it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake and blessed and the blessings of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not, knew not aught he had save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. So we see through his industry, you know, if you're brought in and you're one of the lower-level servants, your accommodations are probably a certain sort, your food and your attire and everything else is a certain deal but by 
working and uh, applying himself and not having the pity party. God was able to allow him to shine, to bless his efforts. And I'm sure that as he became the overseer, his accommodations got better, his clothing probably got better, his diet probably got better, um, to the point that uh, the owner of the property didn't even know what was going on on his estate. Uh, he just totally turned it over to Joseph. And But then we see Satan coming to work again, and Potiphar's wife uh, wanted to have an affair with him, and he refused to have the affair with her, and then her envy, again, uh, envy rising up, and she lies about Joseph. And we picked that story up, excuse me, um, in Genesis chapter 39, starting in verse 16. And she laid up his garment by her until the Lord came home, and she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us, notice she made an accusation, you're the one that brought him in here, it's your fault, uh, came unto me to mock me. And it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried, and he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did uh, thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. So, you know, you get to thinking of all the opportunities. You're your father's favorite son. You're, you're happy. And all of a sudden, your brothers sell you into slavery out of jealousy after they were already of the mindset they were going to kill you. I can't imagine the emotional roller coaster that would put you on. Then you're taken down to a country where you don't know the language, you don't know the customs, you're a young man, but you're put in a situation where, okay, here's an opportunity to work. I'll just work. I'll apply myself. And God blessed it, and he got elevated. And just as things look like they're starting to take root again, Satan steps forward, or so it appears, and uh, he's lied about, and he, now he's cast into prison. Again, a great time to just throw in the towel. Would you agree with me? A lot of people would. They'd just throw in the towel. They would have a pity party. They'd want to know, why is God allowing this to happen to me? And, you know, and the thing is, we've all been there. We've had hard times come, and we may not say it really out loud too much, but there, there's times when we're not the spiritual giants we would like to be. But the thing is, we've got to always come back to that deal. Does God love me? And the realization is, yes, he does. He proved it by sin to Jesus. And is he on his throne? Yes, he is. And is God good? Yes, he is. So he's got a good purpose. I may not be able to see it now, but he's got a good purpose. And then you have to just pick up the pieces and move on. And, and we see that um, in um, verses uh, 21 through 23, he winds up becoming the chief steward uh, of the prison. Uh, again, in uh, chapter 39, and we'll read those verses. And Joseph's master took him and put him in the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison. And whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. And the keeper of the prison 
looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him, and that which he did the Lord made to prosper. Now, you know, you guys know the story of the Philippian jailer, right? And what happened, what was he about to do when he thought the prisoners had escaped? He's about to kill himself. How much would you have to trust somebody before you turned over everything that had to do with the prison to him, and he's just a prisoner himself? I mean, a lot of people would say, oh, I'll do the job all right, and all the while I got four men digging a tunnel over there in the back, you know. Uh, you know, I'd be, you know, most people would want out of prison, right? And, but this man was, Joseph showed himself to be so industrious, so trustworthy, that this man came to a point of confidence, knowing that if it unraveled, it might not be Joseph that got killed for the trouble, but it would be the, the overseer of the prison. But he trusted Joseph enough. And this trust doesn't happen overnight. We'll, we'll come to it a little later, but this imprisonment, this time away from his family, that we find before he comes out of the prison is a total of 14 years. Uh, When you go into prison or get sold as a slave at 17, 14 additional years is a lot of years that you get added on to it. Excuse me a second as I get to drink water. But we uh, pick up the story in Genesis chapter 40, and um, we'll we'll just read the verses here, starting in uh, verse 1 of chapter 40. And it came to pass after these that the butler of the king of Egypt and his baker had offended their lord and the king of Egypt. I wonder what it would have been like if you served him crunchy rice. (laughs) You know, I wonder how that would have worked out too much, you know. But Pharaoh uh, was wroth against two of his officers, against the chief of the butlers and against the chief of the bakers, and he put them in ward in the house of the captain of the guard uh, into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them, and they continued a season in ward. And they dreamed a dream, both of them, each man his dream in one night each man according to the interpretation of his dream, but the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, uh, which were bound in the prison. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers um, that were in with him in the ward of, the, of his lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sad, uh, sadly today? And they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me them, I pray you. And the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said unto him, In my dream, behold, a vine was before me, and in the vine uh, were three branches, and it was as though it it budded, and her blossoms uh, shot forth, and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes, and Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and gave the cup unto Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said unto him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Yet within three days 
shall Pharaoh lift up thine head and restore thee unto thy place, and thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand after the former manner when thou was his butler. Uh, but when, but think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also have I done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. Now for the baker it didn't turn out so well. He had a dream also, and in three days the interpretation there was he was going to lose his head or lose his life uh, for uh, whatever transgression he had done, be it crunchy rice or a not well done omelet. You know, I'm not sure what it was, but it cost him his life. And But you notice in uh, verses uh, 14 and 15 that Joseph requested that the butler remember him when he's back before Pharaoh. So again, why, why, why do you think he wanted to be remembered? What was his goal? Yeah, he said, said as much in the deal. Yeah, he, he was doing his job where he was at and doing it the best he could do it, but it didn't mean he had given up on hope of getting things in a better shape. It wasn't like he, had, he didn't give up dreaming about going home and wanting to be with his family. Uh, so there's nothing wrong with praying and, at, and seeking God's will and to have aspirations and seeking that the Lord might allow you to accomplish uh, those aspirations. But at the same time, it is wrong to go into a pity party or not do your job well wherever it is you find yourself. And it's, you know, to take advantage of the opportunities that you have wherever you're at under whatever circumstances you're going through. But we see that in verse uh, 23 of this chapter that the butler did forget him. It says, yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph but forgot him. And then we pick up the story in um, verse uh, chapter 41. Um, in verse 1, it says, And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh uh, dreamed, and behold, uh, he stood by the river. Now, like I said, it's two additional years that went by, a total of 14 years that we know Joseph uh, was a, in this situation. He was either working for Potiphar, or he was in the dungeon, in the prison. And we pick up in Genesis chapter 41 and verse 25, where Pharaoh's dream has been told, and we pick up with Joseph speaking uh, to Pharaoh. Uh, the butler had remembered this man that could uh, interpret dreams, and he was brought out of the prison. He's brought before Pharaoh, and we pick up the narrative here in verse 25. And Joseph said unto Pharaoh, The dream of Pharaoh is one. God has showed Pharaoh what, is about, what, is about, what he is about to do. The seven good cline are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years. The dream is one. The seven thin and ill-favored cline that came up after them are seven years, and the seven empty years blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. And this is the thing which I have spoken. This is the thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, He showeth unto Pharaoh. 
Behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt, and there shall arise after them seven years of famine, and all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine shall consume the land. And the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of the famine following, for it shall be very grievous. For that the dream was doubled unto Pharaoh twice, it is because the thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now therefore let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise, and set him over the land of Egypt. And let Pharaoh do this, let him appoint officers over the land and take up a fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years. And let them gather all the food of, the, of those good years that come and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh and let them keep the food in the cities, that the food shall be uh, for store to the land against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt in the land that the land perish not through the famine." And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, For as much as God has showed thee all, these, all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according to thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou." And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and arrayed him in a vesture of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot, which he had. And they cried before him, Bow the knee. And he made him ruler all the, over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh. And without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. Now, some of the things that I'd like to point out as we look at this lesson, think with me just a second. What if the butler had remembered Joseph as soon as he got out of prison? What if Pharaoh had looked at the cause and saw that Joseph was improperly imprisoned and gave him his freedom. What, would, what do you think Joseph's first thing would have been to do? To go home. Would you agree? Okay, tell me what would have happened to the fabric of that family when Joseph got home and shared with his father Jacob how his brothers plotted to murder him, but instead of murdering, they sold him into slavery down into Egypt, and then Jacob said, yeah, and they told me they brought home your coat covered in blood and let me believe you were dead, that you'd been mauled by an animal. What do you think that would have done to the fabric of that family? It would have just tore it to pieces. And let me ask you another question. How do you think Joseph would have looked back on those 12 years? Would they have been highlights of his life? You know, in prison, you know, being a slave, been in prison. You think you would have looked at him as lost years? You know, wasted years? And then think about it with me this way. Two years, nine years in the future, the famine was going to hit. And whatever life Joseph would have tried to piece back together would have all been destroyed because of the famine. And yet, based on the information Joseph had... At the time, he made a proper request of the butler, please remember me. 
armed with the information he had, he was making a prayer request. I'd like to get out of here. I'd like to go home. The trouble is we're not armed with all the information, are we? I mean, to the best of our plans, if we were in Joseph's shoes, we'd have thought the same thing. I want out of here. I don't want to stay in the dungeon. But if he'd have gone home, he'd have probably destroyed his family and then died of starvation if God had not interceded some other way. And so the thing is, that's the reason we have to trust that God knows what he's doing and not, not allow ourselves to get fearful, not allow ourselves to get discouraged with circumstances that aren't going our way, but realize that our God is on his throne, our God does love us, and that we can claim Romans 8:28. But you also look at the preparation side of it. Whose prison was this that Joseph was in? It was Pharaoh's prison. So who would have been the type of people that were housed there? It would have been like the butler and the baker, other bureaucrats who had uh, found disfavor. How do you think Joseph hit the ground running as a 30-year-old man and knew how to manipulate and work within the Egyptian bureaucracy? Well, it was the training that he went in while he was in prison. And rubbing shoulders. I mean, don't you know all these people talked about was the intrigue of the court and how this guy's got this little fiefdom and I rubbed this guy wrong and now I find myself here. And, you know, every, every kingdom has a bureaucracy and Joseph needed to hit the ground running. And the training that he actually received in the prison, even though that was not his desire, God turned around and used it to his benefit. Because we already found out what happened to the baker and the butler when they didn't do the job well, right? You think if Joseph had just stumbled and stumbled and stumbled in his actions of trying to work through the bureaucracy. Also, just think with me about this. How do you think the Egyptian generals and bureaucrats over these different departments liked having a Hebrew young man telling them what to do? Do you think they just said, oh, we love it? You know, I think there would be an infight, and you had to know how to deal with it. And God gave him the training by allowing him to be exposed to all the different intrigues, the different reasons these men found themselves in the prison. And he, he had the training that God gave him under circumstances he would not have desired on his own. And in the proper time, God proved what we know to be true in Romans 8:28, not only to his own elevation beyond his father's dreams to become the prime minister of Egypt, but it came to the salvation of his father and his family because he was able to bring them down to Egypt during the famine and take care of them. And also, just think about the relationship of Jacob with his sons who had lied to him about Joseph But now even Jacob could see that God used it for good. Because they're in the middle of this famine. And when I finally get news that my son really is not dead, he's really alive, but he's also the prime minister of Egypt. And he sends all these wagons and supplies to bring me and my family down to Egypt. So two years or previous to this, or it was actually nine years previous to this, if Joseph had gone home, 
it would have destroyed the family and led to Joseph's own destruction. Happening in God's time, and in God's perfect timing, we see that not only was Jacob probably able to get beyond what his sons had done and see that it was God's hand on the, on the situation. Not that he would have been desired to have been away from his son for all these years, but it was going to lead to the uh, salvation as far as bodily salvation of his children and his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren that got to make the move down to Egypt. So, again, it's God's preparation that we're going through. We don't know what we're going through. Armed with the information that we have today, we pray for relief. We pray for helps. But at the same time, never give up on the concept or the reality that your God is on his throne and your God does love you and he has a good purpose. He's proved it through the scriptures and the life of Joseph. He's not a respecter of persons. He'll do the same in our lives if we trust him. Does anybody have any thoughts or comments before we close with a word of prayer? I wrapped it up earlier.